Right now, do you realize that we're less than 90 days from the end of the year? Like the end of 2021 is less than 90 days away. And, you know, as many of you uh, may be fans of football, the fourth quarter is the most important quarter because a lot of times that's where games are won and lost. Just ask Alabama, hallelujah, that they lost last night. And I can give some praise to the Lord for that. But, uh, you know, but it does is that many times what happens in those moments, and even if you, I don't know, you may not be that into sports, but it seems like the game and the pace of things kind of pick up. Have you ever been watching a game and you're like, why wouldn't our team do this the whole game? They wait to the last three minutes and it's like, oh, they finally woke up. And, you know, and, and so we want to finish this year strong. And so this was just a way for us to just kind of step into that and to lean into that a little bit. And so we just encourage you find an opportunity to be a blessing. And I'm going to share some things with you today about this. And, um, you know, and so just get outside of your normal, get outside of your normal routine, get outside of your normal comfort zone. You're like, but I don't like that. Yeah, but you can't grow where you're comfortable either. You got to get outside of your comfort zones. Why? Because that's where real growth and stretching happens. And this is what I can tell you is that it's more rewarding than you think. It really is. And so I just encourage you to do that and uh, to, you know, and we're not just trying to do something to be gracious and kind, although we are. Man, we want to tie the purpose of why we're doing it, which is that Jesus has done something in our life and that he has changed us. And we want to see him do it in many other people's lives as well. So that's really the heart behind it and uh, really the thought. And so we just want to take this last quarter of the year and kind of maximize this time. You know, maybe a step for you is just inviting someone somebody to church. Maybe it's sharing your testimony. Maybe it's just doing something kind for somebody, you know, and then when they ask you, why did you do it? You can share your testimony. And there's so many ways that you can be used by God because we believe that every one of us are created and God intends for us to make a difference. That is the ultimate goal of what Jesus came to do in our lives. He didn't just save us for us. He saved us so that we could influence others as well. And so I've said this many times is that we're not just saved some from something, we're actually saved for something. Sometimes we can think that like, well, now I've made Jesus the Lord of my life, finish line, I'm good, I'm going to heaven. That's the beginning, not the end. Is that God has a plan and a purpose and a reason for you to function and a reason for you to interact with people and to have influence in those around you. And so this is really what this is about. And so, you know, the Bible actually uses this language. It says that we've been called out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And every kingdom has a purpose. And God's kingdom is all about what? It's all about people. It's about people coming to know him, growing in him, developing, maturing in the Lord. Why? Because that's where we can find our God-given potential and purpose and reason for being. You know, and so even around here, you know, you see it on the wall out here. You know, we have our vision and, and more importantly, and we're going to be doing a series uh, coming up in November. And I'm going to talk specifically about this a little bit more is that the reason that it's our vision isn't just because or our purpose or our meaning or, or all of these things. I like to break it down and say the reason we opened the doors today and the reason we uh, turned on the air conditioner is for this reason. But it's not just our reason for existing. This is God's purpose and God's desire for every single one of us. He wants us. There's, there's a few steps that he wants us to take. Number one, he really wants you to know God. You, he wants you to know him like real, not, re, not religion, but real relationship. Like, I mean, I know for me, I grew up in church. 
And for a long time, it just was something that we did. But there came a moment in time where it became real to me. And all of a sudden, I was like, I get it. I never got it. But there came a moment where I did get it. And all of a sudden, Jesus became real in my own life. Not in my head, because I still didn't understand a lot. And I still had lots of questions. And I still have lots of questions. But there came a moment where, where God and really his purpose for my life really became real. And so he wants to have that relationship. Number two is he really wants you to what? Find some freedom. You know, the Bible, and I just shared this scripture, it says that we've been called out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. But there are still some things in us from our past, from our experience that may be holding us back. And so one of the ways that this can happen is, as Sean was talking about, is to get involved in a group, get in some relationships with other believers. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron, that, that we get better together. Is that we really do get better and stronger together than we ever would apart. And so you, you have no God, you have fine freedom, you discover your purpose. In other words, you were made on purpose for a purpose. God didn't make you as an accident. He didn't make you as a throwaway. He didn't make you as just an extra just in case. God said, I have a reason for them to be. Therefore, he created you. So my question for you is, is do you know why you're here? Like not just at church today, but like, do you know why God woke you up today? Do you know the reason that you exist? Do you know why God it want and what God wants to use you to do? Because if you don't can't answer that, you can. And we want to help you do that. And so the last thing is that especially as we get into a relationship with God, as we're seeing him work and we're finding our purpose, we want to go out and make a difference. Is that God has called us to make an impact into the world that we go into every day. Is that Christianity and, and our life is not just reserved for Sundays. Is that the Christian life is more than a Sunday thing. It's actually to impact every other day of the week. And, and so we want to encourage you, even as you're going through this week, to just ask the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that if you're saved, you have the very Spirit of God on the inside of you. And just say, Holy Spirit, let me see people this week. Give me an opportunity to be able to be a blessing to someone, to encourage someone, to speak life into someone this week. And I want to share a passage of Scripture with you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, click there, however you choose to engage with Scripture. But in Luke chapter 10, there's this uh, account, if you will, where it says in verse 25, it says, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. Now, these guys were the Sadducees, the Pharisees. They were always trying to trip Jesus up. They were always trying to ask him questions so that they could find reason to find fault with him, to discredit him. And so that's why it says here is that this man is, was trying to test him. He's trying to trip Jesus up. And he asked him, he says, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds and says, what does the law of Moses say? Now, the reason this mattered was the Jewish people lived by the law of Moses. We know it as the Ten Commandments. That was just the starter pack, by the way. How many of you realize that? The Jewish law and regulations were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws. I'll give you an example of this. Have you ever heard the phrase, go the extra mile? You know, that's actually rooted in Scripture because when the... Jews were under Roman occupation. They were a, a Roman soldier could walk up to any Jewish citizen at any point and say, here's my bag. And by law, they were required to carry that bag a mile. And yet Jesus told, and they had to do it. If they didn't, they would go, they'd get arrested. 
They would get, you know, penalized. They would, whatever the punishments were. And Jesus totally kind of flipped that on its head because he said, hey, I know that the law says that you have to take it one mile. Jesus says, take it a second mile. Go even further. And so there were all of these things and all these rules and regulations and all this stuff that the children of Israel had to follow. That it was the law of Moses. And that's why Jesus asked him, well, what does, the, what does Moses say? How do you read that? And the man answers. And he says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your might. And he says, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus responds and says, yes, you're right. Do this and you will live. And, and I think it's interesting. There's actually three accounts of this interaction in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this same um, passage, the same depiction, you will, this picture. And yet Luke adds an interesting which he was the most uh, specific and detailed of the authors in many ways. He was a doctor. And uh, so don't you want your doctors to be specific and detailed and make sure they write the right things down. And so Luke is a doctor and he writes it down and he says, the man wanted to justify his actions. So now he's, what has happened is he's actually become convicted by what Jesus has just said to him and this interaction. And so he's looking for some wiggle room. You ever look for some wiggle room in a conversation? you're like, you know, maybe I can still get out of this somehow. And he asked Jesus a question and he says, who is my neighbor? He said, hey, I know I'm supposed to love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with everything that I am. He says, I know that I'm to do that and I'm to love my neighbor. But I, in my opinion, I think this gentleman probably said, I know that I'm supposed to love God, but kind of throw in the neighbor part. And he asked Jesus the question, he says, well, who is that? And so Jesus begins to tell a story. We call it a parable. A parable is just a story. Now, I don't know why, but in my mind, I wish that Jesus would have started this story off like this. That a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan were walking down the road. Like, this would have been a better introduction to this story in my opinion but he didn't start it out that way but i'm not going to read all of it for the sake of time but i'm going to tell you what happened is that jesus begins to tell a story he says that there was a jewish man who while he was going about his day got really beat up and um, just robbed by a bunch of bandits and basically left on the side of the road for dead they took everything he had and they just left him there to die and it says that a priest came and then a Levite came, which the priest would be kind of like me as a pastor, being kind of more of a modern day terminology. A Levite would be somebody who worked around the church, but it could also be a church member. And it says that they saw the man and they avoided him. They went out of their way to not have to deal with his problem that he didn't want their problems to be or his problem to become their problem. I know none of you have ever done this. I'm the only one guilty in this room of this, of seeing somebody else's issue and being like, mm, that's their problem. Like, I, I don't need to get involved with that. I don't want to get involved with that. And it says that, that they moved past this guy and just went about their business. Like, I don't have time today. And, and yet here, it says that, that this third man, who was a Samaritan man, which was, uh, they were half Jewish and half uh you know, Samaritan people. So they were kind of a mixed breed of people. And, and the Jewish people looked very strongly down upon the Samaritan people uh, to the point that they wouldn't even go through the city of Samaria, that Jewish people would take, like would go out of their way to avoid the city. 
Because they just, they thought that little of them. And yet we have a Jewish man in the ditch who's left for dead and a Samaritan man who has now come upon him. And the Bible picks up in verse 33 and says this, says when a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, it says that he felt compassion for him. Something happened on the inside of him and and something, a switch went off and something on the inside said, I have to help this person. I don't know him. I don't know anything about him. I don't know how he got in the ditch. And it never says that he asked him. And, you know, as human beings, sometimes we want to try to qualify the people that we want to help. Well, they're there for a reason. They're in that situation for a purpose. And, and, And we try to rationalize and excuse away our action because we kind of fill in the blanks of their story, even though we don't ask. And sometimes people just need to be seen as a human being, not for a result of their choices. And here it says that, that this man felt compassion on him. He was moved in his heart towards this man. And it says, in going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And you can go read this account. And, and this man went way above and beyond what was expected. Because it's one thing to like sit the guy up, make him feel better and be like, okay, well, I'm busy. I've got to go about my day. This guy just stopped whatever he was doing that day. Put this, he was actually riding on a donkey when he sees this man. Because it says that he took the man and he put him on his donkey. So now this man is not only helping this man, now this, he's, he's like having to walk so that this guy can ride, which tells me that the guy wasn't even in condition to even walk at all. He takes him, puts him up in a hotel room and tells the guy, hey, I'm responsible for the bill. I'll come back, just take care of him. If his bill is more than this, he leaves money. And he says, if it costs more than this, put it on my tab. I'm going to take care of it. You know, and I think that many times is that we can, be, we can become very jaded. We can become hard-hearted if we're not careful, even as believers. And yet God is wanting to use us to reach people and to touch people and to minister to people. And, and, and it, this is God's desire. And I know one of the things that I know that can happen for us is that we can almost get overwhelmed and say, well, I can't help everybody. None of us can help everybody. But all of us can touch somebody. And so we have to do what we can do. And so, you know, like just practically, I'll just give you an example of this. You know, is that there are times when I'm, I remember one time specifically that I was driving somewhere and I saw a guy on the side of the road has his sign, but there was something in my heart that said to help that guy, but I'm busy, right? And I've got deadlines and I'm on, on the go and I'm trying to do things. And, and, and so I, I went about my day, but that feeling just would not go away. And I kept thinking about that, guys, I'm doing what I need to do. And not a whole lot, not, not a lot of time had passed, but, it, you know, five, ten minutes went by. And it just was, it was eating me up on the inside, for lack of a better way to say it. And I just thought, man, I've got to do something because I don't want this just, I don't want to ignore this. And so I turned around and I went back and, you know, I got the guy and I asked him what he needed, so forth, so on. And I'd actually just recently had bought some lunch and he just needed some lunch. He saw he wasn't, he was just saying, I just need some food. And I said, well, I've got some lunch if you want it. And I said, Hey, why don't you come over here? And so, you know, so I go to a gas station and I just sat down with him while he ate my food. I just sat down and started talking with him just to hear his story. 
and to ask him. And we actually had a great conversation. I was actually able to, uh, you know, just share a little bit of my story and what the Lord had done in my life and just encouraged him. And I mean, I didn't have some miraculous story. And I mean, I, I you know, he didn't break down crying saying, I need Jesus and see this massive response. I mean, sometimes we can get discouraged. But in that moment, I was able to meet a physical need for that guy. But it was a blessing to me. Because I knew that I had been obedient to what the Lord had put into my heart to do. And, and so I think that there are things and, and there are times where God moves us with compassion and we need to act. We don't need to ignore that. We don't need to reason it away as to why we shouldn't or why we can't. No, is it, we need to respond and act in those ways. In verse 36 of Luke 10, Jesus continues and, and he asks a question he, to the man the scholar, the religious elite guy here, he says, now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to this man who was attacked by bandits? And the man responds and he says, the one who showed him mercy. Now, here's the thing about mercy is that mercy is never deserved. Mercy can only be given. And so even when we're moved with compassion, even when the Lord begins to, to stir up an opportunity or we see a person or, or we hear of something, maybe it's not the guy on the street corner, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's somebody in your friend circle or in your influence circle, maybe it's a complete and absolute stranger. I'll tell you another story that happened. This was a year or two ago. Me and Dara went over, uh, we were in Sulphur one night and we were eating dinner. And there was a mom there and her son obviously had a lot of limitations. I'll just say it that way. And, and she's over there and, and she's trying to take care of her son. And, and the whole time, like, I mean, Dara's even asked me, she's like, what are you looking at? And I couldn't help but watch this mother as she was just taking care of her son with love and compassion. I don't know this lady from anybody, but I'm telling you, I mean, it was like I could not focus on my food or even my wife. My eyes are fixed over here and I'm just watching. And she finally asked, she's like, what are you looking at? Like, she's like, is there a game on? I'm like, no, no, no TV. Like, there's nothing over there. There's, I mean, but I'm just watching this lady and I could begin to see her get frustrated because of what she's having to try to deal with. And she's trying to have dinner with people, but yet her son requires a lot of help and a lot of attention. But I, that compassion began to just rise up. And the longer I sat there, the more I just had that feeling, I've got to do something. I'm, I don't know what I can do. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. And so after a few minutes, I, me and Dare were talking. I was like, I don't know. I've got to do something. I, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, you know, I, so I do all this and that. I go look in the car. I don't have any cash, like all this stuff. And, you know, but I was, so I, I called my waitress over there and I said, hey, I want to, uh, I want to pay for that table's food. Now, there's like eight people. They're all drinking alcohol and they're having a good time. And I'm thinking, hey, I'll pay for everything but your alcohol, right? You can reason that away. And you can be like, you know, well, I'm a pastor. I can't be paying for alcohol. You know, I mean, look, I'm just going to be honest. That's going through my mind. Like, what are people going to say if, you know, if they knew this? And, and honestly, I just didn't care. All I knew was I needed to do something to let that lady know that God loved her. And that God saw her loving her son. And so I took one of our little generosity cards. I've got one somewhere here. I keep these in my wallet. And I, actually, that's what I went to the truck for. And it looked just like that. It was white on the back. And I wrote her a note on the back. And I just said, hey, I, 
I want you to know that, that God sees you and that you're a great mom. I just want you to know that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. I called my waitress over and I said, hey, I want, the, I want the ticket, but I don't want her to know who did it. And I want you to just give her this card. And the waitress looks at me like I'm nuts. And she's like, that table, that big table? I'm like, yeah, I want, that, I want the ticket. So I just don't want them to know. And so she goes, gets the ticket, brings it to me. Of course, they're getting all their stuff, trying to pack up a little while later. You know, and I'm still kind of watching and just paying attention. I'm off in a corner away. But there was something on the inside of me that I just couldn't get past. And so they get up to leave and are getting ready to leave and they ask for the check. And the waitress says, hey, it's already been taken care of. And they're all, everybody at the table looks really confused. And, uh, and they're all like, well, who paid it? And she was like, well, they don't want you to know. They just asked me to give you this. And it was one of these little cards. And it just, on the front of it, it just says something extra to show you that God loves you. And on the back it says, and so do we. And I put that little note. And I watched that lady sit at that table and begin to bawl. Now, I didn't want her to know it was me. And normally I would never tell you things like this. It's a few years ago, so I will. But what I want you to hear is that there was compassion. God moved upon me because he wanted to move upon her. And so many times we are the link between God touching somebody. And God needs us to lean into those moments, even when it's uncomfortable, even when you try to rationalize it away or it's inconvenient or it's just, well, that's just not who I am. That's not what I do. This is what we live for. This is what we are saved for. And so many times we can get so busy and just going into the motions and just going about our day and, and just focused on us. And let's just be honest, the, the greatest hindrance to our Christian life and the greatest hindrance to our joy as Christians is selfishness. I mean, it is. We can and look and every one of us are susceptible to this. And we have to fight against it because the enemy would love nothing more than for every one of us to just be focused on us and what we've got going on and what we need. And God said, look, the, 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 really the answer to all of that is to start looking to somebody else and start paying attention to somebody else. Just like this Samaritan man, Jesus said, look, which of these three were a neighbor to this man? Now, I don't know the end of the story. I don't know if this lady was a Christian. I, I don't know what happened. But this is what I do know is that I was faithful to do what the Lord told me to do. And I didn't have some, like, pay for her meal. It wasn't like the Lord spoke to me. I just had that something in my heart said, I've got to do something. And so I looked around. And I began to think, like, what can I do? Well, I can buy their dinner. And I can write a note. And I can do something in this moment. I'm still quick in my older age, right? Hello. <laughs> but look, I mean, and we have those opportunities. They are all around us, but so many times we're looking at our own stuff. And we're focused on us and we're focused on what we've got. And we've got to look up and begin to look around at the opportunities that God will bring into our life. Because here's the thing is that it will bring unbelievable joy. The food did not make me happy that night. And I love food, but that was not what made me happy in that moment. And look, and we all have these moments. 
And it could be as simple as buying somebody's meal. But why? We've got to attach the purpose behind why we do it. That was, you know, after the storms, one of the things that I loved and I still love about mercy chefs, the ones who came and cooked all the food and they're doing all that, was that they didn't just give hot food to people. They were praying with people. They were loving on people. They were, you know, I mean, they were really saying, hey, let me tell you why we're doing this. And I think that's important that we don't just try to bless people just because it makes us feel good. Because it does. But we ought to be willing to what? Attach the gospel to something very tangible. And sometimes we have to just have mercy on people. Because whether you realize it or not, God has what had mercy upon every one of us. In other words, we've gotten what we don't deserve, which is life in Christ, which is salvation. And sometimes we can begin to say, yeah, but that God doesn't deserve this. The guy, well, what's he going to do with what I do? Like if I give that guy money, it doesn't matter. God's not going to ask you about what they did with what you did. He's going to ask you, did you do what I asked you to do? Were you faithful to step out into that moment and to lean into your uncomfort and really step out and to do and to be used for my purpose? Even this word neighbor here. It really, you say, well, what is, you know, because this is just the way my brain works. But I went and studied what that word meant. And it literally boils down to anybody and everybody. I mean, it's not a shocker, right? But it's anybody and everybody. In Mark's account of this same passage of Scripture, he gives us another little insight into this exchange between Jesus and this religious leader. And so this man responds to Jesus at the end of the story. And he says that this is more important. What, what is he talking about this? In other words, being a neighbor, loving somebody, showing somebody the love of God. Is that this is more important than, than to offer all of your burnt offerings and your sacrifices that are required by the law. And Jesus responded and says, how much, or realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Because this man began to understand and to get a picture of the heart of God, which the heart of God is for people. And if that's God's heart, then that should be our heart. Doesn't mean that we need all the answers. But we have to be willing to be used. And I believe that everyone really truly wants to be used by God. Because I believe we're hardwired. I believe God designed us to want to live for, you know, like in the world, they would use this word, is that you want your life to have some transcendence to it. You want your life to matter. You don't want to exist. You want to leave a mark. And every single one of us have that potential and that ability. But we've got to what? We've got to mobilize. We've got to get into action to love people and to look for people. We put one of these little cards in your seat today. There's more of them out there at the information center. Stick some in your wallet, put some in your purse, put some in your car. Look for these opportunities to be a blessing to somebody. See, I believe that many times that people won't open their hearts to the Lord until they've had a positive, let me say that again, a positive interaction with a believer. 
People have lots of negative interactions with Christians or the church or whatever. We need to have some people to have some positive interactions with the church. Well, that means they need to have positive interactions with us because we're the church. The church isn't the building, it's us. Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 14 through 16 here. A couple different translations. It'll be up on the screens for you. But it says that God is not a secret to be kept. It says we're going public with this. This public is a city on a hill. He says, so let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things that you do will shine as light among them. He says, keep open house and be generous with your lives by opening up to others. He says, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. It says, so let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God. I just want to, I want my life and I want the substance of my life to help point people to Jesus and to cause them to want to pay attention and to look to him and say, man, that person was kind to me. And I don't really know why. All I know is that they said that they loved me and that God loved me. And I don't understand that, but there's something about that that's attractive. And it's just another way that we can sow the seed of the gospel into somebody's heart and to sow it into their life. See, I I firmly believe that the gospel needs to be seen and felt many times before it can ever be heard. People have heard the gospel. We live in the Bible Belt. There are a few people that have not heard the gospel. The problem is, is that many people have never actually seen it in its purest form. And they haven't really felt it. They've heard it. They've heard the words. They've heard the rules. They've heard all, all the do's and the don'ts. And they've heard all of that stuff. But when they begin to see it in action, their heart becomes to begin to open up to what? To the presence of God. And God wants to use us to do that. He wants to use you to do that. In Acts 20, verse 35, the Apostle Paul is talking and he says that he was a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. He said, you should remember these words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. The Amplified Bible says it this way, is that it's more blessed and brings greater joy to give than to receive. And look, and I've had people that have been a blessing in my life at times when I needed it. I was very grateful. But I've also had the opportunity now that I've been able to be a blessing to people. And I've been able to to do some things. I I don't want to get to heaven and stand before the Lord and say, look at what all I got. I would rather stand before the Lord and say, look what I gave. Look what I was able to do. Look what Because I I didn't do it for me. I didn't do it. I, I did it because I wanted to represent Jesus. Jesus was the most selfless person on the planet. Now, you can hear things like this and you think, you just want me to go sell everything and just live a meager life. No, I don't. I actually want you to live a large life. Because this is what I know. If you go and sell everything you got, you got nothing left to give anybody. But there is the principle of the seed and it is a, a foundational part of the Bible. I mean, it goes all the way back to the very beginning. Because the Bible says that you cannot sow, that you will not reap. Now, the reaping should never be the motivation. It's the byproduct. I sow the seed, I'm going to trust God with the return. Whenever, however, I don't care. And I've lived this way faithfully for over 20 years. And I've watched God time after time after time after time. 
bring blessing into my life that I know that I didn't. I'm not smart enough. I don't deserve it. But God just says, nope, it's a principle. You can't violate it. The next two weeks, we're actually going to be talking about what biblical prosperity actually looks like. Why? Because I believe God wants you blessed. But I, don't want, I, but I know that God doesn't want his blessing to replace our trust in him either. So we'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. But today we're talking about loving our and really living a generous life. And here it says that we actually get more joy. How many of you need more joy? Start focusing on other people. Start finding ways to meet needs. And those aren't just always physical. Look for opportunities to reach out. See, living generously isn't just about finances. Living generously is a way of life. It's a mentality. It's an approach of how I see things. And I want to live in a way that is more than for me. I was saved for something and that something was not me. It was for the glory of God. You were saved for the glory of God and he wants to use you. Because we can meet needs and we can be generous, but the reality is, is that it has a bigger, the largest impact is on us. It changes us and shapes us into who God wants us to be. And it makes our heart open up so that we're not closed off and we're not just kind of focused on what we've got. See, I believe the purest love is given when we expect nothing in return. That's pure love. And yet this is the life that we're called to live. So as I said earlier, we have 90 days to the end of this year. And there's nothing significant about it. We're in October. We have less than 90 days. But there are people who are looking to encounter God in these next 90 days that you have influence, that you have impact on. And my question is, is are you going to impact them in a positive light or a negative light? Because you get to determine that. Nobody else determines that. What kind of impact do you want to leave? We want to finish strong. And look, and, 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 and I know everybody in this room could say, you know, pastor, I'm just tired. Me too. I've been in the same things that you guys have been in. I live here. I breathe here. I function here. I'm going through all the same things. And I understand what it means to be tired. I understand what it means to be overloaded. And some of you may feel like, man, I'm at my breaking point. If you would hear what I'm telling you, I'm actually giving you the antidote. The Bible says it's the joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, one of the greatest ways that you can have joy is to live generously. It's to not focus on, on just your problems. Look, we've all got problems. Welcome to the club. But I've got good news for you. The Bible says we can overcome every challenge. And we can move forward. Here's a scripture for you. Isaiah 40 verse 30. I'm just going to read one little line out of it. But it says, those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. Okay, well, how do I do that? Proverbs 11 verse 25. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I have a couple. I'm allowed five, right? I get five favorite scriptures. This is one of my five. It says this, and this is the second part. It actually, the beginning part, read verse 24 and 25, they go together, but 
Verse 25, it says this, says that those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, that's that particular translation, the way it words it. Other translations say it this way, which is a little not as clear. It says those who water will themselves be watered. I'm like, what does that mean? It literally, if, 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 the literal translation from the Hebrew language says, if you will minister to others, you will be ministered to. That's the literal translation of it. And so if you're in a place and you're like, God, I need you to move. God, I want you to work. God, I want you to do these things. Okay, get your attention off of yourself. Begin to sow the seeds of life and of joy into other people because it will produce a harvest. Something incredible happens when we get our attentions off of us and we begin to turn it to somebody else's need. You know, I've had the privilege of being able to travel quite a bit in my life all over the world. You know, and there was this moment where we actually were on a tributary of the Amazon in northern Peru. So we were on a boat. We were two days boat ride from the nearest city, all this stuff. I mean, it was kind of the stuff movies are made of. And we're backpacking through the jungles, carrying all this stuff. And so, you know, we go to a village that we thought was the last village. We're like, oh, no, there's one more village. Keep going. And I'm just like, I'm exhausted. You know, and so we're walking through the, it's, I mean, our humidity is minimal compared to what we were experiencing in that moment. It's in the middle of a rainforest in like June or July. I don't remember. Yeah. I just wanted to pass out. I'm just like, oh my gosh. And we're carrying all this stuff. And I mean, there's no running water. There's no electricity. There's just these little huts out in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, and I'll never forget it. So we're fighting, struggling, getting there. And we're trying to take teenagers on this epic adventure. And it was pretty epic. And, you know, we're sleeping in little cots and all this crazy stuff in the middle of nowhere. And there were these spiders the size of my hands that could, like, run like crazy. And Dara's like, I'm not sleeping. And, uh, you know, and she's like, you know, it's pretty funny. Anyhow, if you've never been on a missions trip, if you've never been out of the country, I would encourage you, you got to go. And I'm about to tell you why. So we go all the way to where they said, this is the last village in this uh, path, if you'll call it that. So we're trekking. I think we were two or three hours in off of the river that we'd been walking. And now we're carrying batteries and water and lights and sound system. I mean, this stuff's heavy. And so we're backpacking all this stuff through the jungle, which is kind of crazy in a way. But at night in the jungle where there's no power, if you turn on lights, it's like mosquitoes come to light and people. They're like, lights, you know. And so we get into this village and, uh, you know, and, and it was just, I won't go into all the details, but I had a pretty hilarious moment, but uh, getting into the village. But here's what I found is that because we had brought some like soccer balls and some things to give these kids. And I learned a valuable lesson that day because I watched as all the kids of the village, I don't know, there were probably maybe 20 or 30 kids. And we brought like two soccer balls for 20 or 30 kids. We didn't really think that one through too well. But the smiles on their faces and to watch how all the kids played together. And there wasn't one kid running up and grabbing it being like my ball. Not one kid. And the, the sheer joy on these people's faces. And I look at us as Americans who have so much and how miserable we can be. And how dissatisfied we can be. And here's people living in a little bamboo hut in the middle of the jungle. No running water. No real, what we would consider life. 
They're hours away, actually really days away from any like civilization that we would consider hospitable. And they had way more joy than I do. And it really just began to affect me all the way that I could see it even with the kids. That there was not a selfish bone in their body. It's like whatever I have belongs to us. And that's convicting. I mean, how many of you understand and realize that God did not create you to just be a consumer? We're actually designed and built to be generous. That's where we thrive, not in, not in grabbing and, 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 and pulling in. No, we actually come alive when we begin to distribute and love and give and, and serve and, and all of those things. This is who we've been made to be. And so I want to encourage you this week. You've got a generosity card there on your seat. Take that one. Grab some in the information center. We have that board out there. It says, love your city. It's got, I don't know, 12 or 15 ideas, just little things. If you're like, I don't have a clue what I can do. Stop by the board. Look, look for an opportunity. If all else fails, look for compassion to rise up in your heart. That's like the Holy Spirit going, hey, trying to get your attention. I want to use you in this moment. Because we want to be a blessing to our city. You're like, well, why? Because it's what Jesus would do. That's the motivation. Is it people, just like we have gone through a lot in the last year and a half, so have they. And so we're going to do that throughout the week. Take these cards. If you want, take a picture, send it to us, share us a story with us. That'd be great. And then we're going to gather together Saturday morning and we're going to go out for a few hours. It's not going to be all day. We're probably going to cut off around one or two-ish But we'll gather here at 9 o'clock and we're going to go out and just serve our city for a little bit. And you may say, man, I don't have the energy for it. I get it. Make the sacrifice. I promise you it's worth it. Because just as the Bible says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You'll actually leave with more energy than you came with. Why? Because it's a spiritual principle and you were made to make a difference. You were made to leave an impact in the world around you. And so I want to encourage you this week to do that. Don't just let this be a sermon that you came and listened to and I checked my church box off. No, now it's time to go be the church. It's time to get out of the walls and to go do some things and to be a blessing because God wants to use you in this way. You just got to take the step. You just got to move in that direction, lean into it. And just say, Father, I thank you that you're going to use me this week. You're going to, I mean, I would encourage you to pray. God, bring people across my path that I can sow a seed of the gospel into their life. I mean, you may have the opportunity to lead somebody to the Lord. You may not. But what's most important is just to do what the Lord has asked you to do, what the Lord stirs you up to do. Some of you may already have some things that God has already stirred up in your heart, even as you're sitting here, and you already know of a person or something that you could do. And the Lord's just stirring that up on the inside of you even now. So make preparations to do it. Why? Because at the end of the day, we want God to receive glory. We want God to receive praise. We want people to come to know him. That's the reason that we're here. It's the reason why we exist. And so I want to encourage you. Take your eyes off of yourself. Begin to look at other people. Because God wants to use you. Amen.